Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Now, in order to help us better understand the war in Ukraine, we sat down with Dr. Tom Lynch. Lynch is a distinguished research fellow at the Center for Strategic Research at the Institute of National Strategic Studies of the National Defense University. He'll discuss with us Russian President Vladimir Putin's possible objectives and potential next moves. Tom Lynch, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, delighted to be here today. And uh, let me just just say, uh, you know, again, as I have in the past, that I'm here to represent my own research and analysis and not necessarily those opinions of uh, the Department of Defense, the National Defense University or the U.S. government. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the current state of the Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, A lot of people think things are are cooling down, but yet is that attributed to the weather conditions? And do you see a a major spring offensive on the uh, behalf of the Russians. Uh, now, I and my colleagues who watch this question the uh, quality of what Russia is putting on the field now, although recent estimates are that 90 to 95 percent of what Russia has available as uniformed soldiers, plus mercenaries and contractors, are now in Ukraine. So that's formidable. I mean, there's a, there's a certain quality to quantity. Um, and I, I think that the Russians are going to make an earnest effort here to try to, to, to go and at least salvage um, uh, occupation of these two provinces uh, you know, to the east and then also to maintain their land bridge down to Crimea, which would give Mr. Putin an ability to falsely declare some kind of a you know, major righteous victory. The challenge for us in the West then is you know, what to do about that. And here, Fortunately, and I think correctly, we've stood with the Ukrainians. Uh, We've been careful, though, because, again, direct great power clash leading to nuclear weapons use or other things is is, is truly a hideous proposition. So I've been saying for the last year that we are witnessing the first proxy war of multipolar, multi-state great power competition. You know, the Ukrainians are basically the proxy now for the West's beliefs, rules, orders, and norms versus those of Mr. Putin. And I think our objective needs to be to continue to arm, um, you know, with weapons and equipment and know-how, the Ukrainians to weather this storm and, if possible, even conduct counteroffensives, uh, you know, after what the Russians do. Uh, but make no mistake, what the Russians are doing right now is going to be a challenge for the Ukrainians. The, the, the number of people that the Russians are fielding right now seems to those of us looking at this as being a very significant number. But if the Ukrainians weather that, getting some kind of a counterattack, you know, when the Russians are vulnerable after they culminate on what they're doing right now, that may set the conditions for some kind of negotiation to bring this to a conclusion that's favorable as much as it can be to the Ukrainians and to the rules, norms, and procedures of what's going on here. A ton of excellent information packed in there. You got my wheels spinning. So I want to pose a question to you as you're talking. I'm thinking, do you see uh, President Putin, Russian president, uh, essentially trying to take advantage of or, or test the will of the American Congress, knowing that we do have a divided Congress now when it comes to the aid that you mentioned in supporting Ukraine? to see if he prolongs this as to where things might go on that end. Well, he's, he's not been successful, arguably, over the last year, but I think 
people that analyze Mr. Putin thinks that he is so dug in that for him hope springs eternal. He's hopeful that yet another massive venture like the one we think we're seeing start to play out with, with hundreds of thousands of Russian troops again in Ukraine, that that continuation will cause fatigue in the West. We will tire of this, to include in the U.S. Congress, about supporting this. Um, I certainly am one who looks at this strategic framework, both historically and contempor contemporaneously, and think that the last year has been a shining moment in the history of uh, alliances and partnerships for security and stability on behalf of ordinary people and the rights, rules, and norms of individual dignity and sovereign state sovereignty. It would be a shame if Mr. Putin gets proven right after two previous strikeouts in his hope for splitting and, and, and partitioning you know, the, the West to not support Ukraine. This is a moment where Mr. Putin's aims can be checked short of direct great power clash. And we are fortunately at this point not sending over the sons and daughters of Americans or Westerners to fight and die in Ukraine. The Ukrainians have said, we got that. Just stick with us, bear the cost, bear the burden, you know, help us with our refugees, help us with our armaments and our, uh, our fighting equipment in the field, and then help us with our rebuilding afterwards. And I for one, looking at the history of how great power competition have played out is, if, if we can stick with that, we will blunt, at least for a significant time, Mr. Putin's view of the world from having yet another step that can then be followed by another step. If we don't, if Mr. Putin is proven right in this, oh, they'll tire of it, they'll quit, the U.S. Congress will crack, uh, then we will be replaying this movie again uh, way too often uh, with Mr. Putin or others deciding that they can get away with it too. Tom Lynch, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been over two weeks since the train derailment in Ohio. How is the community of East Palestine coping in the aftermath? Joining us next to discuss the situation on the ground, we have Congressman Bill Johnson. His district covers the village of East Palestine, and he's been at the site of the derailment over the span of multiple days. Congressman Bill Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you again today. Thanks. Great to have you, Congressman. Uh, I've seen you in the videos. You're out there. You're, you're with the people. You're, you know, getting a, a firsthand view of what's going on. Are you able to assess the extent of the damage caused by this derailment so far? Uh, how long do you and how long do you expect the recovery uh, process to take? Well, the, the extent of the damage is, is great. I mean, and, and the people there have, uh, as I've said many, many times before, they have every reason to be fearful, anxious, frustrated. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to get answers to the questions that they have. You know, my child has a rash. Is it because of the chemicals that are in the air? Uh, is my water safe to drink? Is, are, are, the, uh, are the surfaces of my home safe? Uh, the, but the short answer is, is uh, we are making progress, I believe. I think the uh, federal EPA and the state EPA are working very, very well together collaboratively. Uh, to hold Norfolk Southern accountable for this accident. I believe Norfolk Southern has upped the ante, uh, so to speak, uh, and in their efforts to make sure the community knows that they're there for the long haul, that they're going to make this right, that they're going to do what needs to be done to make them whole. Uh, and, uh, and I see the positive results of that on the ground. The village's water system has tested uh, safe by both the federal EPA, the state EPA, uh, the local authorities have tested it. 
I've drank some of the water there, the village water, now private well water. Uh, you need to have your water tested. And, uh, and there's a process for that too. And there's a number that they can call and, uh, and we can get that done. Same thing with the air in your home. They haven't had a single, not a single yet uh, indication that the, uh, that the air is contaminated to a level that is, that is harmful to humans. So lots and lots of work left to do, but we are making progress. Congressman, you raise uh, a lot of interesting points. Uh, one question that we're hearing asked is that, uh, you know, the, the potential long-term effects of this potentially hitting the water table eventually, I'm sure there's still concerns in the back of people's minds. What measures are being taken uh, to clean up this ha hazardous material? And are you confident in the testing that's come back uh, from the EPA? Well, I'd, I'd have to let the EPA to r respond to that question for you because they're the experts. I mean, the, the federal EPA is the, is the agency responsible for overseeing the enforcement of the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act. Uh, they are working collaboratively. Some things have been delegated down to the uh, state EPA, uh, and the state EPA is the, uh, uh, has primacy over those issues. The EPA administrator, Michael Regan, was there last week. He's going to be here again this week. Uh, and I can tell you, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a chemist. But I can tell you that they are going to be going to great distances uh, to make sure that they test. And there, there will likely be testing done here for years down the road uh, to make sure that they are sampling the water, make sure that they didn't miss anything. Uh, this is going to be an ongoing for a while scenario. Congressman, how were the first responders able to contain the situation and prevent it from becoming uh, worse after the derailment? And uh, how much work have they been doing, you know, from the early stages? Uh, I am so proud of the first responders. I, I, from what I understand, it was about uh, five to seven minutes from getting the call uh, from the klaxon going off before the all-volunteer fire department there in East Palestine responded but some 50 fire departments from around the region uh, sent resources there. Uh, and I think it's a credit to those first responders that this wasn't worse than, uh, than it was. It could, have been, it could have been far worse. You gotta remember, no loss of life, no structural damage. I mean, it is a, it is a miracle. It is absolutely by the grace of God that that, that train didn't wreck uh, a mile or so back and, and just take out the whole downtown area of, uh, of East Palestine. But, but that's not what happened. Uh, and, and we're so grateful to the first responders for how quickly they jumped on it. Well, Congressman, I have to say the people of uh, East Palestine, um, Ohio, are lucky to have you representing them uh, on a federal level asking the questions. And I'm, I'm confident that you will continue to ask those questions. Yeah, I'm going back up there tomorrow. I'm going back up there tomorrow. I had to come home. I was there all day yesterday. I had to come home and get a refresh of clothing and, and uh, take care of some personal chores, but I'm gonna be going back tomorrow. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Have a great day. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.